0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a
2: month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance.
3: And winter coats and hats, scarfs, and gloves, very much the order of the day for the rest of this week because it looks like we are going to have a chilly end to the first month of the year over the coming days temperatures are going to start to dip but there's also going to be a cold wind blowing in from the north and that's going to make it feel that wind chill factor is going to make it feel even colder because we've been just getting used to and really enjoying this unusually mild winter so far so it's a rather wintry week in store Met Aaron are saying temperatures three to four degrees colder... than than what we should be getting at this time of year. So even colder than normal. The main theme is going to be cold and frosty below freezing nights. And then during the day, temperatures going no higher than five degrees at very, very best. Wintery showers will feed in for tomorrow, Wednesday, Tuesday and again on Wednesday, even though they're going to be mainly in the west and the north. So we may escape. There is even the possibility of sleet and snow. Uh, certainly over the next two days, Tuesday and Wednesday. So wrap up nice and uh, warm. John Paul, taking your calls today. If there's anything you want to share with us, uh, 1850 333 Anything happening over the weekend, any issue you want us to be talking about, give us a call. You can text your WhatsApp as well to 86 Some of the issues that we are going to be addressing on the programme today include a discussion on the city boundary extension. This was back in the news last week because the legislation that was needed in order to extend the city out into the county that was passed in the Iraq this last week. So we're going to talk about what it will mean for county areas. I'm trying to find out how people feel about the city boundary. It depends on who you're listening to or what political commentator you're reading. Some people say this is going to be terrific news for both the city and the county people, some people in the county are worried because obviously it's going to be less money into Cork County Council but with less money also there will be less services that will need to be done because obviously the areas that move into the city then become part of the city they won't be taking rates out of those areas but they won't have to look after those areas but it's the outer, the the furthest away outer areas of the county I certainly will be the one that I will be most worried about. So we're going to speak with the county mayor and get his views on how he feels about the extension of the city out into the the uh, county. And also, just from a practical point of view, from a day-to-day point of view, will anybody notice any difference? Obviously the one big difference is going to be when we start to vote in the local elections in May. There are going to be some people heading into polling stations being asked to vote on names that they haven't seen before on a ballot paper. We're also going to get an update on bally Cross. Now we've discussed bally uh, Cross which is on the Mallow to Killarney Road. We've discussed it many, many times before on this programme because the Wednesday We were talking about it being the most dangerous junction, not only in Munster, some people felt it was the most dangerous junction in Ireland. Something needed to be done about it, something is being done about it, so we're going to get the very latest on that uh, story. And then in the second hour of the programme, a listener has contacted us with a most unusual story about a planning permission objection. And planning permission and going for planning can be the bane of some people's lives. We have seen families nearly brought to their knees with frustration, trying to get planning for one-off houses. We have parents who are trying to give a piece of land to a son or a daughter so that they could build and they' you know live near the family. they want to live near the family and I think for some parents it's a nice comfort to know that they have a son or daughter. Just living down the yard or across the field. We're trying to get the planning and the obstacles that can be put in the way for young people trying to build a house. And you would would think now, I'm not saying there can be carte blanche and we can just have people building houses anywhere at all, but you would think that planners would be doing everything that they possibly could during a housing crisis to make life as easy as possible for somebody who wants to build particularly a one-off house in a rural area. But this story is unusual and it's to do with an objection. And we're going to chat with the gentleman who, is, who will be telling us more about it and also will be interested to to see and hear if anybody else has heard of it happening before. So we'll look at that in the second hour of the programme today and then Pamela Swain will join us once again, Operation Transformation Leader. Pamela is from York. She had a terrific first week where she lost £7. She went more than double the target that she was asked to do so it was a terrific start for her and then last uh, Wednesday we saw her pop on the scales and she lost nothing even though she had had a really good week and stuck to the plan and did all of her exercise and you could see it in her little face. bless her heart even though she was fine and she listened to them, the judges were all quite positive I'm trying to say don't worry about it but you really could I'd say when the cameras stopped I'd be really interested to see how how did she feel was she absolutely got it because it's just my heart sank when I realised that she hadn't lost any weight because she has been doing so well and then all of the other leaders lost which you know God help her anyway we'll catch up with Pamela and actually talking of reality TV shows Onion Mallow has been on to say Patricia would you wish Demi Isaac very best of luck in Dancing with the Stars, and to tell her how proud we all in Mallow were of her last night. She was amazing. She put on a fabulous salsa to Beyoncé's One Night Only. Yeah, she brought out her her not boogalicious, her demilicious. She was. She really was uh, terrific. But of course, the song and the dance and all the moves very much suited uh, an eighteen-year-old. I mean, she brought her a game last night and let's hope and see that she can really maintain it because you could you could see from day one with Demi there is a there is a a dancer and the the diva dancer the Beyonce diva dancer came out last night so let's hope that she continues uh, to do well in uh, dancing with the stars and then Annalise Driscoll will join us in the final hour of the programme from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancala, giving us as always her nutritional advice but we will also ask her about uh, an issue that we touched on on the programme on Friday and this is to do, and it's something that Annalise has warned us about in fairness and has been saying to people do what you can if you're talking to any of your politicians to get them to change their mind on, on this and it is to do with VAT and an increase in VAT on vitamins and minerals and fish oils which at the best of time are not the cheapest of items when you go to buy them in the chemist or in in the health store. But the VAT rate on vitamins and minerals and fish oils has always been set at zero. And somebody in revenue commissioners and the powers that be have decided, no, we need to look at that again. We need to put VAT on vitamins, minerals and fish oils and we'll set the VAT at 23%. And 23% is the VAT rate that is set for luxury items, which the mind boggles because the, it was, as somebody mentioned on the programme on uh, Friday, if you're going in to get a burger, I think if you buy a burger, is set at 9% and a burger isn't exactly the best thing you can be buying for your health. And yet vitamins and minerals and fish oils are things that you know are promoted and we're told to look after our health. And if you're not getting enough vitamins and minerals then, you know in your diet, then maybe you need to buy some vitamins and minerals to keep you out of hospital and to keep you healthy. How and why anyone could decide that they should be set with a 23% VAT rate. And to go from zero to 23% is really going to increase a lot, you know, a, a sizable proportion. One of the examples we used last week was... I think it was a fish oil, which is currently at just a little over €15. It will go to to over €20 when people go to buy it. I think it's coming in from March, so we'll talk with Annalise about that. So that and more on the programme today. Your thoughts and comments, welcome to 1850 333 103. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And I can just see a text in from a listener. I'll give this out for fear that I forget about it. To say, hi, I lost my wallet in the In the Canturk area, or possibly in the Newmarket area, on Friday afternoon, if anybody found it, um, I'm sending. I have this person's gentleman's contact details. So, was anybody out and about doing shopping, picking up the kids from school, about your business at work, whatever? Did anybody pick up a wallet either in the Canturk or Newmarket area? Obviously, this gentleman was in both Turk and in Newmarket and unsure where exactly he has lost his wallet. But that is just, besides, there obviously may be this cash inside in the wallet, but it's all of your cards. If you lose your wallet or your purse and having to get all of the cards cancelled and then reissued, it is just an absolute nightmare. So if we can find this gentleman's wallet, I don't know if he's already gone, contacted the bank to get everything cancelled but there'll be other items in it you know there could be a thing like his driver's licence etc and other things that you know he hasn't gone about yet it would be great if we could get this wallet returned so if anybody found a wallet or if you heard of anyone who found a wallet in the Turk or Newmarket areas last Friday afternoon give us a call please. David Canturk has been on to the uh, comment line. He just wants to make an observation when he was out driving yesterday. He was travelling yesterday from Canturk to the city and he travelled via NAD. On the road he came across a number of cyclists who were out cycling yesterday. Many of them cycling two abreast. One pair in particular on the road heading into NAD. But he said every time he ended up behind these cyclists cycling two abreast and obviously then he had to slow down because he couldn't overtake. Them. So for a period of time, he was travelling anything from as l- slow as 13 kilometres, and at most he got up to between 20 and 30 kilometres beside uh, the cyclists. He just wanted to get from A to B, i.e., he wanted to get from Canterbury to the city without harming uh, anyone. And when I said to John Paul, was Dave suggesting that they shouldn't be on the road? He was saying no, but he felt with narrow roads and some of the rural roads that cyclists are on, they certainly shouldn't be cycling. Two abreast, and the cyclists need to be aware of cars behind them. And it's funny because I was on the road between Mitchellstown and Mallow on early afternoon on Saturday, and I ended up behind a tractor who was pulling a large kind of a tanker on the back. I I looked like it was for spraying uh, or something, and he was this big tractor, big tanker on the back of it and he was we were all chugging along 40 kilometres you couldn't go over 40 kilometres there wasn't a hope in hell that I could overtake him because on stretches of that road very windy very twisty there was a backlog of cars probably about 8 or 9 cars uh, behind me but I wasn't in any way making any attempt to (laughs) to try and overtake this agricultural vehicle but then as we got up to must have been behind him for about 10 kilometres. And then when we get up by Anakisha Church, he, who he pulled in and left all of the cars, pass them out. So, whoever that person was, uh, well done, well done. And I could sense, you know, the way you're driving, you could sense there's a bit of frustration behind you. But I was saying, and I even pulled back a little bit, saying, if any of them want to overtake me and attempt to overtake the agricultural truck, tractor, and, and trailer, leave them off. But I certainly wasn't doing it. But I thought, kudos to the person driving that around lunchtime on Saturday on the road between Mitchellstown and Mallow. Well done for uh, pulling in. And just staying on roads. I mean obviously there's this story that's coming out of Donegal this morning and it was the story that most of us woke up to. The news that four young men have lost their lives following what's been described as a horrific car accident in Donegal and it does now look like uh, speed was in, was uh, involved. The tragedy happened in at about nine o'clock last night, in the northwest of County Donegal, it was a single vehicle um, single vehicle accident. All four young men were in the car. They're all in their early twenties. I think one of them is twenty two. I think the others are around uh, twenty four. They're all from the West Donegal area. The they have confirmed. All of them were pronounced dead at the scene of the accident. They have all been identified but obviously the families are still in the process of being contacted. Emergency services were alerted to the scene shortly before at nine. Ambulance, fire services all got there but it was too late. They they weren't able to save any life. All were pronounced dead at the scene and the local coroner has been notified. Obviously the the crash scene has been preserved to facilitate technical examination and I, I heard um this morning. I mean God you mentioned the cloud of sadness that has come over that area. The families all got together uh, last night after they after they got heard. The Gardee calling to their doors, breaking that shocking news of young sons all 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 their lives wiped out. And family members went to the scene. Uh, where the accident occurred God it must have been just absolutely horrific let us think of all of the families I know Michael O'Sullivan in and Bear was on to say Patricia as a Donegal community and everybody else are left in shock and devastation this morning our thoughts and prayers are with their families their friends and their communities a devastating blow to the start of the year may they rest in peace and again it's Donegal we had that awful remember that awful in- incidents close enough to where this accident occurred in the, out in the Inishown uh, Peninsula were eight people were killed. I remember, seven young people and one uh, elderly person. There was two cars, two, three cars involved in that particular uh, accident. And I know somebody was saying when I heard this morning, I heard a commentator saying, oh you know it's the roads again and you know, it's the bad roads in in Donegal but I was in Donegal last summer, we had a, a family holiday in Donegal and I was very conscious of driving on roads that I didn't know but they're no worse or no better than the beautiful roads we drive on in West Cork or anywhere up along the western seaboard, it's all on the wild Atlantic way and I think because of my time living in West Cork and because I drive in West Cork so much, if ever I'm with somebody who's not used to driving those roads, I'm always saying, or if anyone's going to visit West Cork, I'm always saying to people, you know, be careful. You don't know the roads. You don't know what's coming up uh, around the corner. Now, obviously, these young lads were raised in the area, so they knew they know the roads well. But again, it seems the Gardaí are saying now it looks like speed was involved. How do we get our young people to slow down? How do we stop at uh, these awful tragedies and those families? whose lives will never, ever be the same again. And yesterday's date, January the 27th, 2019, will be etched in their minds forever. And it comes, it kind of closes a week of of a really bad row. Uh, week when it comes to road tragedies on Friday there was um, a couple in their 70s who were killed again it was a single car crash that was on the Monaghan Armagh uh, border then last Thursday there was a male pedestrian in his 40s was struck by a 4x4 just outside Evan in County Kildare he was killed earlier in the day of course On uh, Thursday, we had that awful accident of that young woman in her 30s, uh, Jackie Griffin, who was killed in the collision on the M50. And then the photographs, shocking photographs of that accident uh, were shared. And then also on Thursday night, there was the female passenger in her 80s killed after the car she was travelling in. Uh, was killed in uh, Galway and then I heard Barry when he was talking about the four young men in County Donegal there was also another uh, person killed so I think 10 I think it was a week where we lost, lost 10 people on our roads May they rest in peace in our thoughts and prayers Uh, With their families. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls.
1: Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie.
2: C103. Laura Gailga. Air C103.
4: Ruguk Polo Kono. Ern Fehu Ula. Deir for Nedek Sakdonay. Near Imershe Ruger Gudigarevse. Shavelin Degdish. Gudishin. I Iri Gahamva good a on three years. At the Kugamun the most important thing is that ég most important is that the most important thing is that the most important is that is that the most important thing is that the most important is the most important
3: three Kirkig. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Last week saw the passage of legislation in the Dáil which will see the first extension to Cork City's boundary in 50 years. Welcoming the news, the mayor of Key County of Cork, Councillor Patrick Gerard Murphy who uh, joins me. Good morning to you Patrick. Good
0: morning Patricia, Uh, how are you?
3: I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now this process has been very challenging. Are you happy that it's finally over with the passing of the legislation and now you can get on with the job?
5: Absolutely Patricia, it's been a bit of a soap opera really to be honest with you for the last three years odd. Uh, We first had the um, Smithy Report which which, uh, recommended a merger and then Simon Coveney and the Almarc decided that wasn't good enough and they, Simon Coveney initiated another report which was the beginning report which overruled that and, and recommended an a extension to the boundary uh, of Cork City and we are, we are where we are now and I'm delighted that finally a line has been drawn in the sand and we can move on now at this stage to be honest with you.
3: Has the financial compensation from the city to the county been agreed?
5: Not fully agreed there's a an independent arbitrator appointed to oversee that and I think there once the staffing um, arrangements are completed then that can be agreed fairly quickly I would imagine.
3: Is that the biggest job at hand first off to get the uh, I think is it 400 staff?
5: No 200 staff 200. roughly roughly 200 staff going to be transferring now whether they transfer immediately or whether they transfer over a period of time I don't know uh, Tricia, but um I don't think the 200 will be transferring immediately in June. Um, it'll be; it'll happen over a period of time. But um, so there's 200 staff, and I suppose you're looking at a compensation package of around 40 million is what we're looking at. And the county badly, badly needs that because the areas transferring are obviously very kind of wealthy areas from a property tax point of view and a rates point of view, and we're losing all that that revenue and that income.
3: And whatever compensation package is put in place, it'll be paid over ten years, isn't? Wasn't wasn't that the agreement? Yeah,
5: we actually when we saw the draft legislation back in August, it wasn't to our liking at all, and we put in an awful, we put in a good few recommendations as to how it could be changed, and some of them have been taken board. On board. One of them was that a review after three years. We got that out of the legislation, and uh, that's going to be after ten years. Now there's going to be an independent review of the compensation. So is it still necessary? and it is still appropriate. And uh, the other thing is we got into the legislation was uh, indexation. So there's not sure how what kind of uh, metric they're going to use for indexation, but we've got that in as well. So it'll be index linked over the 10-year period.
3: Okay, and leaving the financial arrangement uh, aside, uh, Patrick, there has to be obviously give and take on both sides. Is there any part of the agreement that you're actually disappointed with?
5: Well, I suppose we want to the amount of staff to transfer stitched into the legislation and that wasn't stitched in. Um the other thing I suppose we wanted to do was the guarantee of the compensation. Um and that wasn't stitched into the legislation, which we're hugely disappointed with because it's now up to the city to pay us the compensation at their behest. Um and the only recourse we have to I suppose to, to gather that uh, compensation is to um is to um take him to court basically, which is
3: which costly is costly procedure is, and
5: uh, yeah, time consuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, It shouldn't happen. To, so but we, we, actually, we actually wanted the, the department to be the arbitrators of that so that they would actually pay the compensation and re- recoup it from the city. Um but that didn't happen. So look hopefully it won't come to that you know. Um hopefully, you know, we will get the compensation every year and there'll
3: be no problem. And that's what Any chance in. that there would be additional government funding for the council?
5: Well, I, I, I back when I was elected back in the end of June, um McFinn, Councillor McFinn, the Lord Mayor, was elected the week before me. Um, we met very quickly and we decided that we were gonna put, you know, Cork the region forward as such, you know. Um and we met and we met with um Minister Coveney, Minister Creed, Minister Stanton and Minister Daly around uh getting a stimulus package for Cork. And um they all were very, very much in favour of that and they all uh you know said they'd support us in that and they directed us towards the rural regeneration fund and the urban regeneration fund. Now we were very successful in the urban Regen- regeneration fund, Car County. Uh, we got money for cargo line, for passage, for coal, for Middleton, but we only got one project funded under the uh, rural regeneration fund, which is probably the most important fund farm for Carr County. Cork County's perspective at the moment, we only got a, say, a Library funded through that, even though we had about, I think we had 22 percent of the applications nationwide, um, and yet we only got one project funded. So I think there's a second round that's that being announced in February or March, and I would urge, 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 genuinely urge all our ministers to make sure that Cork is prioritised that fund.
3: Because would you have concerns for the outer regions of the county? Uh,
5: absolutely, sure. You know, I suppose Patricia, here to four there was always uh Cork County was very very good. Cork County Council was very very good at rebalancing, I suppose, the income from the metropolitan area to the regions to make sure that they didn't fall behind and they were, I suppose, looked after in a way. Um And with the uh, with the diminution of our of our income, it's it's going to be harder to make that happen. And that's why I suppose we. When I sat down with Tim Loose, chief executive there, back in September, we had to refocus our efforts on our regional towns like Mallow, Middleton, Clonic Clonakilty, Bantry, and Skibbereen, um, and Mallow and this like that. That um, that we really had to divert uh, serious attention to them to try and you know I suppose to 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 give them a leg up and get them generating uh, more income and more economic activity in those areas and that's what we are focused on now to be honest with you as a county council
3: Okay and, and are you confident for the future of the larger for the larger towns I mean is there always the danger that they could just become commuter towns for the city and nobody wants that because it's not good for an area
5: No it's not good for an area at all it actually it, it kind of uh, it's not good at all for those regional towns but we have submitted uh, what we call uh, hub towns our economic development hubs, sorry, economic development hubs for each of we'll these towns where we have got to, I suppose, build kind of industrial units and economic development units in these towns. Depending on where they are, they'll have different things like Narkarker, it might be agriculture. In, say, Bear it might be seafood, you know, because there's so much seafood there that we've built, I suppose, industrial units there uh, that will allow uh, entrepreneurs in the area to actually... Um, I suppose, develop businesses that will add value to the to the, prod, to the produce that's being developed in that area. West Cork is a very and food area and um, we're going to focus around that side of it in West Cork. In North Cork and it probably will probably be agriculture because there's such a cultural hub there.
3: OK, and and Catherine, one of our listeners, wants to know, on a day-to-day basis, will people in the mm-hmm. county notice any difference when the changes come into effect with the, the city extension?
5: Well, no, they won't, because, like, okay, Carcaddy Council is running services in all these transferring areas up until June. Okay. Now, We would seriously, like, we are very, very, very much on top of this. Um, we have a brilliant team inside here, led by Tim Lucy, chief executive, but by Niall Healy, our director of the Boundary, um, the boundary Oversight team here. And we are ready to go. this 400, like, the scale of this, Patricia, is phenomenal. Like, you're talking about 85,000 of the population. You're talking about four hundred services. So it's not an easy task to do that we've been tasked with by, by our political overlords. But we are very, very much in top of it here in Carcana Council. we deliver the services in those areas and we're hoping the city will be in a place to take them over come June. Now I don't I don't believe that's gonna be the case. As I said to you earlier on, I don't it's think it's not gonna be
3: an overnight thing.
5: No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's just not possible. Yeah.
3: The scale yeah.
5: Phenomenal. it's phenomenal. How involved. do
3: the workers, by the way, feel about moving from as a county council employee to a city council employee? Or will, will they notice any difference?
5: Well, they were they were all informed on Thursday after the last Thursday, after the legislation was passed through the, the House of the Arctis, and it's very, very mixed. Um, the, a lot of them are worried. A lot of them are very, very worried about where they're going to go, what department they'll work in, Will they, where will they be located? Um, will their travel times to work increase? You know, those kind of things. And I met a lot of them over the last, last Thursday, Friday and today. And a lot of them are very worried, to be honest with you, you know, uh, um, cause it's a big change in their lives potentially, you know, mm. depending on where they're located, depending on where they have to travel to work to and depending on what department they're going to be located in. So yeah, there's a lot of, lot of, um, what's the word
3: and anxious I'd say anxious yes, some anxious absolutely. workers yeah okay. like 200 staff is enough for the staff to be transparent. It, you know? it is well and I think there's you know, there's people in the county as well not just workers I think people living in the county there is a sense of anxiousness about it I think you're right it's good yeah. that at least the legislation has passed we've been talking yeah. about it for quite some time let's get absolutely. on with it now you know we can't change it so we need to we need to move forward uh, so we'll keep a close eye on, on this story close in the meantime eyeing, yeah. in the meantime Patrick thank you for that and thanks for ter- joining us on the programme. Bye bye, bye bye. That is the Mayor of uh, Cork County, uh, Councillor Patrick Gerard Murphy. For a number of years now we have been discussing and highlighting a junction in North Cork that has been described as one of the most dangerous in Munster, if not the whole country. Councillor Bernard Moynihan uh, joins me with the latest on plans to make Ballymcquirk uh, junction uh, Safer and he joins me in studio. Good morning you Burnett and uh, you are welcome to, to the programme. Now, this Junction is on the N70. Just remind listeners about how and why this Junction is so dangerous.
6: Well the bottom line is that there. I've been contacted inundated with contacts regarding the Bally Junction. Several and several people and a huge amount of people from Dohalla travel to, to Cork every day to work uh, from Betty Desmond to Rock Chapel back down to Kent Hork, all that area travelled. There's a huge amount of people traveling traveling to Cork every day to work, it's identified not by me but by the TII and by the county council is a very very dangerous junction. And at the last meeting of the municipal district, it was said by our senior engineer in Car County Council that this is a priority project for Car County Council. We've just had Patrick Gerrard or our Lord Mayor on re- earlier about funding and so forth, and, and and we're to get forty million funding from the the, the city when we, when we when the boundary changes take place. But the bottom line is, I suppose we, we have to say to the public who are listening this morning, there is good news in the context of where we were the last. I was here with you, Patricia, things have moved forward in that consultants, um, consultants have been appointed. They're called Road Plan and they have been appointed to design a roundabout. So it has been agreed. Now,
3: this is the important point. It has. It, are we absolutely 100% saying this junction
6: is going to become a roundabout? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely, 100% certain. There were several studies carried out and they identified that the most uh, the best option was a roundabout. Now, the consultants were appointed last Thursday and they are starting work this morning designing a roundabout for Bannamacquirk. So, therefore, it is... And I want to thank the 3,500 people who signed petitions to to get this junction up and running. But certainly, I suppose, from our point of view and from the public's point of view in Duhalla, we need to get the pressure on to get this junction... Uh, completed and up and running as fast as possible. It will involve the the, the TII in, uh, around the country. There are very few roundabouts out in the in rural areas mm. such as Bannermacquerc. So to get a roundabout in was is a significant advance, and we have it here in writing from uh, Bob O'Shea, the Senior Engineer of Cork County Council, stating clearly it's going to be a roundabout. Therefore, you know, they're designing a roundabout starting this morning. It's going to involve land acquisition. It's going to, There's a, a bridge on the way into Creek from the Mallow side. There's a river there and so forth. It's close to a river. So there's a lot of work involved in getting this project uh, from where it is today, which is designing a roundabout to getting it constructed and so forth. But I intend if re-elected, to keep the pressure on to get the roundabout done in Ballamacquirk. What I, and
3: I know when we've discussed it before and discussed this option of a roundabout, obviously there will have to be land uh, purchased. You've always reckoned that the local landowners, there, there nobody will object because people the local landowners are people who live in the area and they know how dangerous this junction is.
6: Well, I mean, I can't speak for the landowners, but I'm very hopeful that the landowners, when approached by Carr County Council to purchase the land, to, to construct a roundabout, will be amenable to doing a deal with regard to, to, to land purchase. To put, if they, if they, I mean, it does say here that, that the, the scheme may require compulsory purchase order. It is so significant for Cork County Council that they might p- push forward with a compulsory purchase order. I hope that doesn't, have, doesn't need to take place. But certainly, Patricia, from the public's point of view and from a safety point of view and talking to the guards, there are a lot of near misses in, in There's, I get regular texts from people saying, I've just gone through Bannamacquirk. There has been a, a near miss here today. That's happening all the time and getting those kind of calls and texts. And I Texas. think
3: as the roads are getting busier, it, it's making junctions like that even more dangerous.
6: Absolutely, like there's no question about it. The, the, the road, the, the, the our road, the Ballymacrick is way, way more busy now than it was five years ago, six years ago. As the economy is improving, as there's more industry coming in, there's a huge volume of traffic. There's a huge amount of, of, of lorries and so forth going through Ballymacrick. And you know, in the summertime, you have the farming season on tractors and all that kind of business, silage and all that. So therefore, it's it's absolutely crucial. This, in, in my view, the most crucial piece of infrastructure that we need to, to replace in Duala at the moment, in, in terms of road and so forth, is Kirk. That junction requires to be done as soon as possible.
3: Have you a timeline on, wh- on how long you believe the work could take?
6: Well I haven't a timeline because all I have is uh, what I have is in front of me for a letter signed by Bob O'Shea saying that consulting engineers have been appointed to design a roundabout. I can't give a timeline for that project, but I'm hoping the consulting engineers is now January. They should have their design in by the first of July. We should be able to move forward when we have the design. It'll re- it'll require a part eight planning. It won't have to, it won't go have to go through the normal pan- planning process okay. in the that. that the councillors can give the planning for it.
3: Will the work cause delays? Yes. Okay. Yes. People now are just going to put up with that uh, when it's ongoing.
6: Absolutely. There's no question. Any work, any construction, anything like that, there's going to be delays involved in it. But certainly I'm hopeful that we can get this project moving as fast as possible from design True planning and into construction as fast as as is humanly possible, Patricia. And you know, uh, from my point of view as an elected rep for the people of Duhallow, I will keep the pressure on to get that work done as soon as I can.
3: Okay. Well, was, somebody wants to know: Was any other option looked at beside a roundabout? Besides, yes, roundabout. all options
6: were looked about side roads and slip roads, and you know, everything was looked at in even in, 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 in improving the. You know, the the current cross to improve it. But the, the the engineers or the design people came up with the with, with the with the option that was best appropriate for Bella McQuirk was around about. And they felt it was the safest as and well. And was the safest yeah. as well, yes.
3: Okay, and then there's another junction out in Bohorbouy that's proving
6: rather dangerous. There is one, yes, in Le Cross and Boharbuy. Lamana Cross, my, my my dad, my late dad, was in a car accident back there in nineteen eighty seven. And he just he he came he barely escaped really to be honest, and uh, 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 and I've been walking to that junction straightened out as well. We are making progress on the monacross. Uh, that that job, the, the Lamanna Cross is a smaller job. It's not as big as Banner McQuirk. It's just a realignment of the cross. And we're hoping to get Lamanna Cross realigned uh, during the course of 2019.
3: Okay, we need to get these roads uh, sorted out. I mean, everyone's talking about the awful tragedy that happened in Donegal. We don't need any of those tragedies Absolutely not. Uh, down here. And just uh, finally, Bernard, you, you, you paid reference to it. As I started the programme by speaking with the Mayor of Cork County, Patrick Jared Murphy, on his views on the boundary changes in the legislation that got passed last Friday. What's good news, bad news? What's your feeling on it?
6: I'm sure I, I, I think it's, it's, it's a mixed bag, really. But I'm hoping that, you know, the realigned Cork County Council, that there'll be more focus on places like Duhalla, like the town of Cantorque. We badly need a link road in Cantork, It's completely choked up at the moment with traffic. We have planning gone through. We have land purchased. From the Mart, who were very, very cooperative, in fairness, the Mart and Cantork, in allowing us to build a link row or to give us the land. To build a link road in Cantorque, the land is purchased. We need to get that link road into Cantorque as well. I'm hoping that with the realignment of the the city and the county, that there will be more funding available for places like Cantorque, places like Duhallow to get work done in Ballymacurragh. But a crucial, crucial piece of infrastructure is needed in the town of Cantorque as well is the link road because the I was going through the Cantorque the other evening from the we'll say the the, the co-op into the, the the square, and it took me 25 minutes to get from one to the other at school time. That, that that town is, 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 is a very busy town and we need a link road in Cantorca as soon as possible, built and constructed.
3: Yeah, and there's a lot of other towns will say the same thing, Bernard. But, but I think you're making a, an interesting point about the boundary change. Uh, hopefully it would shift more focus. Well, I am very hopeful. On to the uh, outer. Patricia, regions.
6: I am very hopeful that when we the council is realigned, that that, that there'll be a more focus on rural, on rural, on, on rural Cork. And as Patrick Gillard said earlier, the one point I consistently make in in Cork County Council is in Duhallow. You know, they talk about West Cork have a booming tourism tourism industry. In Duhalla, we're depending on agriculture. We're depending on the industries that are there. We're particularly dependent on agriculture. And I'm trying to get as much funding as I possibly can into Duhallow for all sorts of different purposes to 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 re, to get the towns going again the centre of the towns and so forth there's a huge benefit now in Cantork we've got we've got a new 56 C, 56 space car park in the centre of the of the town but we really 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 need the new link road in Cantork as well
3: okay somebody's talking about water in water on the road in Ballymacork water to get the water off the road.
6: Absolutely. I, I, I'm consistently making reps with regard to improving Ballamacquirk. There's water under water the this morning. That, 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 that Ballamacquirk is, is it's a junction that needs constant attention.
3: OK. All right. Uh, OK, we leave it there. Um, thank you for that, Bernard, and uh, thanks for joining us. That's Councillor thank Bernard you,
1: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Some of your texts and comments coming into the programme. We uh, spoke in the last hour about the boundary change legislation which went before the Iraq this last Friday, wasn't it? and uh, now we move and uh, the evidence put in place now for the extension of the city the first extension of the city in some 50 years but of course people in the county worried about what are the implications for the county John and Clonakilty, says petition on the boundary change in Cork Cork County Council are to get this is what's promised 40 million euro by way of a compensation package for handing over some of the major towns and areas that generate a lot of revenue from the county handing it over to the city in a few years Cork County Council will have money for nothing You think the potholes are bad in the county now Wait and see John is predicting in only 4 or 5 years time There will be no work done Cork County Council don't want the rural areas of the county says John So John is not convinced that this is a good move for Cork County On roundabouts and in particular Ballymcquirk cross, that is to become a roundabout, according to Councillor Bernard Moynihan. Talking of roundabouts, says a Douglas listener, the one outside of Bandon Town on the Clonakilty Road is almost invisible and it's an accident waiting to happen. Maybe a large top of plants would indicate that that is actually a roundabout. And that comes in from a Douglas listener. Someone says, Ballymcquirk, cross that you're talking about is no, da- no more dangerous than most, but common sense and drivers slowing down a little bit. And God help us when and God only knows when the work is actually going to happen, says the rather cynical texter this morning. Patricia tell Bernard, he's left the building unfortunately, to take the water off the road between the Glen Theatre and Bally McQuirk, be more in the council's line. And someone else says, I'm sick of the thought of a roundabout going in at Bally McQuirk Cross. There will there will be tragedies. Put up lights around put up put up lights, I'm assuming traffic lights, you mean another roundabout like they have in Mallow's not going to work, have we not learned from previous mistakes? Well they looked at the, tr- the traffic experts went in and looked at it, I don't know if I ever saw the Did they even look at a suggestion of putting up traffic lights? I mean, to me, it's a major road, so they couldn't put traffic lights because it would would literally be stopping the flow of uh, traffic. But there's somebody who's against the idea of a roundabout, while many other people are saying about time. So many, so many near misses on that partic- at that particular junction. We need the work to begin asap. Heidi says all of the rural roads need attention one way or another. There are so many hedgerows along roads that prevent your view ahead, particularly at sharp corners, and also a lot more cars use these roads than was on them on previous years. Roads need to be made as safe as possible for motorists to drive on, and of course the majority of those of our roads. When they were first built and first laid out, they were never designed for the amount of traffic that's on them today. Mary says, uh, tell Councillor Bernard Moynihan that there's nothing wrong with Ballymcquark Junction if only people slowed down and took took their time. There is a road from Nad to Lyre during the winter months so when there's heavy rain and you end up driving through floods, they need to do something about this road. The water comes out from both sides of the white comes out from both sides and ends up meeting on the white line. They also resurfaced a road near Ballymacquirk from Bantir, and the surface is already gone so says uh, Mary and Liz and actually somebody else was asking the same question are we getting our library when are we getting our library in uh, Cantorca still we'll see It doesn't there's any update on that I know we looked at that before Christmas again but I don't think there's an update we'll see if we can get an update on the library in uh, Canturk. and an agricultural meeting by the way there was arranged for the James O'Keefe Institute in Newmarket has been called off and it'll be rescheduled for another date okay that's the agriculture meeting James O'Keefe Institute in Newmarket is off for tonight John in Castletown Roach says why are these politicians so concerned about their local areas could it have anything to do with the local election which is pending in May what is what is the compensation what if I think that should be the compensation doesn't come from the City Council will the county suffer will it be businesses that will end up having to pay more uh, rates well the big worry is to do with the compensation and that's the one thing that hasn't been agreed yet I mean there's this talk of the 40 million and there's talk of it over 10 years but now there's talks about will it be index linked and then of course the big burning question is what happens at the end of the 10 years I mean work will still need to be done in the county areas and if, if a big revenue stream which has been removed from the county and going into the city that's a large chunk of revenue coming from the county what happens after the 10 years I, I would have concerns as well now whether they'll be able to go to Government central funds, I don't know. John in Castletown Roach is he right? Will it, will it be businesses? Will it be business? Will it be hit? Will they be asked to pay more rates? And there's only so much rates that businesses can pay before it's just not worth the business opening opening their door. And as for your criticism of why a politician is so concerned, I mean, if you regularly listen to this program, we through not just coming up to an election, we will have particularly the councillors on this program always. I mean, that's their reason death so their reason to be is fighting for local areas. So I think you're you're wrong. I think in your criticism of uh, councillors John but thank you for your call to 1850 we were talking about slow moving vehicles and in particular, I was talking about an experience I had on Saturday on the Mitchell Santa roadway. I ended up behind an agricultural vehicle for about 10 kilometres, chugging along merrily at 40 miles an hour. I wasn't in a rush, so I was fine. I was fine, but I was conscious of the cars building up behind me. And eventually, the gentleman driving the vehicle pulled in at Anakisha Church and let us all uh, pass. Martin Imbanchery said when he used to drive a slow moving vehicle, he was of the view that it was law. If you were driving a slow moving vehicle on a road you're obliged to pull in if there are a number of cars behind you he was always told keep an eye in the rear view mirror and if you get more than five cars building up behind you then you need to uh, pull in is isn't always possible to pull in, but when there's a space for you to pull in, Martin says it is the law and that people need to do that. The reason I mentioned it was we had a call in earlier from somebody who was out driving yesterday and was giving out about the number of bicycles that were out yesterday. So suppose was people out training for the various races that will be coming up. And yesterday afternoon, weather-wise, was it pleasant enough for cycling? I can't think. But then cyclists go out in all kinds of weather. they are hardy souls. Joan says car car users have to pay insurance and tax in order to put their car on the road. Why shouldn't the same be done for cyclists? Trying to overtake them at times can be very difficult. They don't always let you drive by, says Joan, who's critical of uh, cyclists. Mary Amallow said that Mallow to Mitchelstown road that you were on on Saturday that you're speaking of, says Mary, is an awful road. It's not so much bends there's dips in the road and bumps on the road and therefore you can't see what's coming yeah hence the reason that there's I wasn't taking any kind of risk in overtaking that agricultural vehicle I said I'm staying here I know the road too well and I know the the dips that are in the road. I also know the bends and the twists on it. So I certainly was going nowhere very fast, literally. I was going very, very slowly. And so was everybody else behind me. 1850 333 103. Um, the lives lost in Donegal. I feel so, so sorry to hear, says the texter, four young men have lost their lives in a road accident. I really think it is time when young people take their driving test that they're shown a film of how speed and other things on roads how it can end up taking their lives. It really needs to be brought home to them that they're driving a car and that vehicle can actually kill. I, I feel so so sorry for the loss of those so such young lives. May they rest in peace. Yeah, they can you know, imagine what life is like or that sort of veil of sadness that's hanging over Donegal this morning with us, the four families and then the extended families and all of their friends. It's just absolutely shocking. We're going to be talking a little bit later on about the health supplement prices are all set to rise because that has been put on health, food, products, vitamins, minerals and fish oils. Fish oils such as omega-3 which are proving very popular. They've been set at a zero rate of tax for the past four forty seven years but the revenue commissioners have decided that no, not anymore for march they're going to put twenty three percent, which is just staggering to go from zero to twenty three percent and it's going to some of the examples we've been giving, for example a a, a tablet that's called clean Marine men Min caps. Their capsules for menopause support. At the moment, you can buy them for $24.99. They'll go up to $32.97. And Udo's Choice Ultimate Oil, which is a vitamin, they'll go from 25 99 to 31 97 which is a big increase when you bear in mind that the VAT on fast food burger is a 13.5% Yeah, they're talking about vitamins, minerals and fish oils. The vat will go to 23% says, Trish, on the vat on supplements. wouldn't Wouldn't it be better to put the vat on all of the junk food instead of taxing those who are trying to stay healthy because people who go into the pharmacies and the health shops divide the vitamins the minerals and the other supplements they're doing it in order to stay healthy to keep them away from the doctor so they don't need to be buying medicines etc it's like it's like they really are being uh, targeted and hi Patricia how can this government justify calling vitamins and minerals a luxury item by setting the VAT rate at twenty three percent. I think they get these ideas for raising extra taxes as if we're not taxed to the hilt as it is. This has got to be a joke. What next will they think of? sooner this lot are out of government, the better. What happened to working for the electorate, not working against them? Well, in the defence of Pascal Donoghue, the Minister for Finance, who I know is well able to defend himself, uh, obviously there's been a big push on the Minister to try to get the revenue to change their minds on this. But Pascal Donoghue said that the proposed measure to put on the 23%, arose from an interpretation of our tax code by the revenue commissioners who are, as everybody knows, independent of direction from the minister and therefore he just has to accept it. So it was somebody in the tax office started interpreting the tax code and decided that no items like vitamins, minerals and fish oils should be included along with everything else. At a VAT rate of twenty three percent, when they've always been at zero, and he, as minister, says because they are independent of direction from the minister for finance, he just has to accept it. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls, and as I say, we will ask Annalise a bit more because she is somebody along with other people who are working as nutritional therapists and who work in health food stores and pharmacies have been fighting like mad to try to get this decision. Reverse, but it looks like because time is fast running out, it's going to be introduced from March of this year. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 jobs. Scaffolders, truck drivers, and general operatives are all required for scaffolding on a number of development sites across Cork City and uh, County. Alert Line Security Limited, there in Middleton, they've got a vacancy for a part time monitoring station operator. And a general operative is required for ingredient solutions. They're based in Boha Bui. That job does come with an immediate start. And FRS Network Canturk have full and part time positions available on dairy farms in Canturk, Mill Street, Mallow, and Butterfield. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward jobs for more. This is C103.
1: Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie.
3: C103. Now, we often hear from people about problems getting planning permission to build, especially one off houses in county areas, with many families left disappointed and frustrated because their son or daughter may not be allowed to build on land near them. So, Seamus joins us to outline how he became involved in what could have been a planning problem for one of his neighbours. Good morning to you, Seamus. Good morning. And, and, and you're welcome. Now, we're not naming the area in the county as we don't want to identify any. Anyone, but your neighbour was building a house outline what happened
0: yeah uh, my neighbour three or four years ago applied for planning permission and spent about three years uh, acquiring planning permission so when he acquired the planning permission of course he's entitled to start building and then his house is constructed and at the stage now there's it's roofed and, and actually plastered outside and whatever. So last Wednesday when I returned home myself at about half a week from work myself there was a letter from Clark County Council so I proceeded to open the letter anyway and it, um, it was dated on the 22nd of the 1st 2019 addressed to myself and it was a letter saying that how I, they wanted there was three or four different paragraphs in this letter that um, they would like to uh, reflect your representation received on the 16th of January 2019 relating to the above-mentioned alleged unauthorised development. Then, in order to investigate this matter, it will be necessary to identify the location and boundaries, if possible, of site and ordinance map. In this regard, please find attached maps. In addition, I would be grateful if you would complete the attached representation forum to aid the investigation of an alleged unauthorized development. Upon receipt of the map and representation forum, in this office, the planning authority will then investigate the matter. Please quote the reference correspondence direct with enforcement section.
3: So you read all of this and said what the hell is this all about?
0: Exactly. So I spoke to my wife about it and she said, you better go and speak to the neighbours and, and show them this letter, which I did. And they were amazed, really and truly. So the following morning I did say to them, look, I will contact the council tomorrow morning and see what can be done about this. So I rang the council, Northern House in Stiburin, and told them who I was and the letters that I had received from them on the previous evening. And I asked them that would they send me this supposed letter that I was supposed to be after sending into them. So she said she would. I told her who I was and that I did not object to anybody building any house
3: next door to me. And your so, name and address, all yes. of that was correct on the letter that you got from the council.
0: One hundred percent.
3: And yes. there's nobody else living in that area. With no. the same name? No. No. I, uh, okay, really so I couldn't...
0: I am the only person with that name. Okay, That's so
3: it. so when you contacted the council, somebody using your name and address wrote, wrote to the council to yes. object to your neighbour's house that has now been nearly finished, I'm assuming, is it? Exactly. No. Trying to make out that you were objecting because it exactly. was unauthorised. My God. Exactly. My now, God.
0: I will, yeah, I will read out the the, car, the the letter that was sent in supposed
3: to be by me. Is this a handwritten letter?
0: No, it's typed.
3: Typed, typed okay. Yes. Go on, yeah. Right.
0: Now, to whom it may concern, my name is so-and-so and I want to make a complaint about my neighbour, so-and-so, of so-and-so, so-and-so. He is building, no, <laughs> he is building a new story and a half house alongside me. I viewed the drawings during the planning application stage and from what I could make out, the roof is supposed to be the same height as his home place next door so-and-so and so-and-so's house. However, it's obvious that both the floor level and the roof level are a couple of feet higher than what was granted or in the planning. I have reason to complain as it blocks my view when I look out in a certain direction also the three windows upstairs in the front of the house look way out of proportion and much bigger than was granted now I ask that my name not be mentioned or used or be sent any correspondence as I am a neighbour of so and so and it could be very awkward is what they meant but the spelling is atrocious Thank you. And my name printed on the bottom.
3: Did, now, did they make any attempt to sign the letter? Nothing whatsoever. No, it's just it's typed. Your your name is typed. But it was someone who deliberately wanted it to look like this letter was coming from you. Yeah. But they also were making, trying to cover their tracks by saying, don't contact me or don't...
0: 100%. Yeah, now, yeah. The problem I have with the council is how they accept these letters with no signature number one. Now, if a person has a genuine objection, they have no problem in signing their name to a letter, yeah. number one. And number two, if it is a legitimate um, objection, they would have no problem in putting their PPS number on it if it wins it.
3: Yeah, there's just no, no. verification for, by the council. That the yes, the objector is who, who. now did, did your neighbour did the council contact your neighbour to say somebody's no, put no no thank well, oh no. okay, thank God but no. the the big fear here was shame is that you you if, if your if your neighbour had been led to believe that you were putting in this objection yes. you could fa- you, you know you, you could fall out fairly quickly over something like that that had nothing yes. to do with you this is exactly where
0: it comes from this is designed. Or, you see, when when it says on this, I ask that my name not be mentioned or used or be sent any correspondence, as I am a neighbour. Now, they then probably thought that the council would write direct to the person that's building.
3: Yeah, and not and, say. And,
0: yeah. and, and, and when he'd meet me then, or she, for that matter, they would say, what kind of uh, so-and-so are you? And I would know nothing whatsoever about it
3: was your neighbor very upset
0: oh definitely definitely yeah. and as as I am myself and my wife and my family
3: and are there have you any without putting out names have you any suspicions as to who might have done this it could
0: be anybody on this regard like because anybody can you know nearly everybody today have access to a printer but but a child you know, six years of age can print something like this, you know, at the way they're educated in school today because everything is computerised and whatnot. But but my problem is not with the person that sent the letter, but the people that received the letter in the council office and that would act actually on this letter with no signature. You know? If, yeah, if, if even, yeah, and I'm just... If the bank to you, if the bank, sorry, if the bank wrote to you, you know, and nobody signed a letter. You'd 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 shred it and bin it.
3: You would, yeah, you would. Someone you know? is saying the air code is a form of verica- ver- verification, but it's not because anyone can anyone can find out somebody's air code. So that's yeah. that's just no. that's just verifying the house. It's not verifying who wrote the letter.
0: Exactly, and also like people say, oh, you know, if there was a letter and if the envelope was handwritten, you'd have the postmark. You won't have the postmark anymore because I went to the post office about it and. I was I was led to believe that all letters now are stamped in Little Island. So you could post it in Mullingar.
3: And it'll or be you Little. you
0: could post it in, 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 in Douglas. Or you could post it in Allaheys. Or you could post it in Castletown Bear. Or you could post it in Glingariff. You can post it in in, in, in Crookstown or anywhere in Cork County. And it still goes back to Little and Island. And even
3: that's not going to verify where, where the letter exactly. a postmark exactly. is, is not going yeah. to verify. What did, did the council, did the planning department of the council say they would do... Do anything to look into it to try to.
0: Well, what 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 they said to me was when I when I rang them and said I did not send this letter, I did not object to my neighbour, right? Mm. Well, she said now this it will be kept on file for six months unless that I write in or go to the council office in Sibirine and stand in front of them and write a letter stating that I did not write this this is going to be on this person's file for six months.
3: Well, with your name and your address.
0: Exactly, exactly. Which is totally wrong. Now, if the council, like, it has to be made that a little bit harder for people, really and truly, you know. Anybody can write a letter today or, or, or print it in this case and send it in and, 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 you know, and be the cause of an awful row between neighbours.
4: Yeah,
3: it's vexatious, it's you know? but I'd love to know I, 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 and, and I'm thinking it's vexatious against your neighbour, Seamus, rather than against you, with somebody, obviously, who has a set against your neighbour and for whatever Ex-tastic. reason is trying to Ex-tastic. cause trouble.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You know, now, is it, is it having a, a go at me? Or having it with my neighbour, it, it could be anyone of the two. I know, oh, and you haven't
3: fallen out with anybody lately, no, no, not, no. Not, Well, <laughs> not, not, uh, you know, not recently. Not, <laughs> not, not to give any exactly, not to give yeah. anybody reasons. Okay, it's, name. it's I, I've or, never, it. I've never. It's it's know? a really interesting story that you tell, and I've never come across it before. Have you since heard of anybody else?
0: Well, I'll tell you now. Not on, not on, on planning, but there is certainly somebody handy on a computer because the lady in our local post office has received a type letter as well, you know, that was very upsetting to her. And I mean, really and truly, there has to be a stop put to this because there is somebody going to get hurt somewhere along the line over it.
3: And you're thinking that if anybody wants to object, particularly with the council, you're saying what, include a PPS number?
0: Yes. They have a genuine. If they have a genuine case and if they have a genuine objection, they would have no problem in using their PPS number.
3: Yeah. Or go in person. I wonder if they I insisted in, in person. that they went yes. in person, yes. yeah. Yes.
0: Now, there's also a fee the council told me to be paid on this, right? And the fee didn't turn up with the letter. So, like, the council, truly to God, there is somebody
3: in the council that would say, let's bin this. Yeah. You know? And even, yeah, yeah bin be it. It. Yeah. It. Yeah, it. Just bin it. Yeah, bin it. Bin Yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. Well, well done for, getting, for, for doing your best to get to the bottom of it and that yeah. you haven't fallen out with your neighbour, which is the exactly. main thing. Exactly. Uh,
0: I went to the Guardian all about this Did it, you? Like, I mean, you know, oh, I did, yes. yes. And do they, do they they say, is it, is, it, is, it, is it illegal to do it? Oh, it is 100%. Yeah. Using somebody else's name is fraud. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a criminal offence. It's okay. a criminal offence. You know, somebody hiding behind somebody else. It is a criminal offence. Using my name and my address. You know, to get at somebody else is a criminal offence without my permission.
3: And I'm assuming your neighbour has built everything according to the planning. I would it's, assume. I it's would assume, tough enough to get planning in this day and age. You're yeah. not going to cock it up by putting a window in the wrong place.
0: Exactly. Because, you know, like today you have to have an engineer. You do. You, know? you have to have an engineer employed even to to, to 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 get planning permission in the first place. You know
3: OK, well, we've put it out there to see if anybody else I'd be really interested to hear has anybody else heard of something like this happening before? But shame, shame on whoever decided to do exactly, that. and and, exactly, co- and, hide behind, yeah, and hide behind somebody yeah, else. A coward you and nothing else. Exactly, All right, listen, Seamus, yes. we'll keep in contact with you. Thank you for that. Yes, thank and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. 1850 if anybody else has heard of somebody doing that, somebody pretending to be somebody else just to cause trouble for somebody, when it comes to planning, um, and in this case, it was the the structure is up, the house is up and, and nearly finished. You can imagine the poor neighbour, you know, getting ready to finish off the house to hear that your neighbour down the road has put in an, an an objection on your alleged unauthorized development. It just, it it can be fraught enough. Getting through all the planning, you get the planning and then you start the building and you get to the stage where you're nearly ready to move in. The last thing you'll want to hear is that somebody's put in an objection and the thought that the building may have to be uh, taken down. Shame on whoever did that and, and I, don't, I don't know if they were trying to have a pop-off. Shame or are they trying to have a pop-off the people who are building the house. It is really hard uh, to know. How do we get around that though? How do we make sure that when somebody contacts the council legitimately, as well. We you, you have to cover people um, and, and you are within your right to object to a development or to, to object to something being built uh, close to you. But how do we make sure from the council's point of view that they verify so that the council know 100% that this person sending in the letter that Patricia Messenger blah, blah, blah in blah, blah, blah in Mallow is who she says she is who's to stop anyone writing a letter uh, pretending to be somebody else. 1850-333-103 John Paul taking the cause and we've had a snow and an ice warning issued This is from Met Aaron. A nationwide status yellow snow ice warning has been issued for the rest of this week. OK, Met Aaron says it's going to be very cold this week with scattered wintry showers, the worst of which are going to fall on Thursday. The warning will be in effect from tomorrow morning until Saturday evening. As Aaron say, the conditions will be worse in the southwest, the west and the north. A wrap-up warm. Now, last Wednesday night, saw mother of four, Pamela Swain, from Yall, do her second way in as part of this year's Operation Transformation. Let's have our weekly chat uh, with Pamela by heading to Yall. Hi, hey, good morning to you, Pamela. Hi, Trisha, <laughs> Firstly, my heart broke for you when the scales stayed the same last Wednesday. But it wasn't all bad news.
7: No, it wasn't all bad news. Definitely not all bad news. I um, I didn't understand it, obviously, because I was after sticking to the plan and doing all the exercise. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, like, okay, enlighten me. What's after happening here, do you know? And um, Carol was able to explain to me that I had actually lost 3.6 uh, pounds of fat and converted to 3.4 of muscle Um. So they were delighted with that because that's actually what they want, is people to be losing body fat. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, it was very disheartening, like, you to get up on the scales and not be
3: down. Because th- did you feel like you had lost?
7: I did. Like, yeah. uh, my tops and stuff, I definitely have felt yeah. that um, there was a difference, like, you know, definitely. And on my chin and things like that as well, I would have said I, I lost weight, like, you know. But um, I think it's with all the exercise and the running and all that, whatever, like, that I definitely... My body, like, really responded well to
3: it. And the judges were definitely much kinder to you last Wednesday. Definitely. Than they they had been the previous week. I I know it wasn't on camera, but off camera, did any of them talk to you? Because you'd been very vocal in your criticism of them from that first week. Oh, yeah, but, like, everyone,
7: like, I spoke to all of them. And, like, at the end of the day, they're there to help me, like, you know, so... Like, it, it it was tough to watch and stuff, but, like, it was the truth. I, I was smoking. I did smoke on my pregnancies and stuff, you know. Mm. But so you were um, honest
3: enough to admit that.
7: No, yeah. I was honest enough to admit it, but, like, it was kind of hard to watch, like, you know, and I think I it was know. hard for the public to watch as well. And especially when I was off the cigarettes with so many days and stuff that um, I think I took it a bit harder then as well because I was doing everything right. And,
4: uh, I can hear that's is just. That's, I can hear just
7: after coming in there now. My phone, my phone is
3: dead. I can hear. I can hear him in the background, and John Paul is just after telling me just before we called you, you've had a bit of a uh, an accident. I did. What I happened? Did I'm trying to actually get the phone and speaker here now. Sorry, okay. <laughs> I don't know how, to do it. You know how to
7: do it. No, no, forget it. We're going okay. to, to talk to you normally My okay. cameraman's here with me, okay. so he's taking me on the phone. Yeah, um. Yeah, this morning I was getting the the breakfast and the lunches ready for the kids or whatever and I was moving over the wash up to make space on the counter and two plates and a bowl actually smashed down on my right foot. So I had the paramedic come up and have a look because I couldn't get um, answers from the doctors or whatever so Patrick McCarthy, fair play to him, came up to the house to have a look for me and um, I'm actually just icing it at the moment now again just trying to get the swelling down but um, he reckons keep icing it and stuff like that, keep it raised and I should be fine. Like, you know, I'm very lucky that I didn't actually break anything.
3: But is it up like a balloon?
7: It's not like a balloon. It's it's, it's swollen a bit, all right. Like, yeah, it is. There's a there's a raise there, all right.
3: Bruised? Yeah,
7: bruised, yeah, the bruising has started. But he said, to expect it to go black, like, to know where it is. Oh,
3: God. But, um... So it landed think... right on your foot? Yeah, right oh. down on my foot. You couldn't write this stuff, I swear to oh. God. Oh, so that now <laughs> rules out... Exercise.
7: Well, I'm going. I'm just waiting to get in contact with Carl there now and see what exercises he can give me today. Because the ones that I'm supposed to be doing are definitely out for today. I'd say. Now, if it's a case of just pain threshold and work through um, the exercise, I'll be able to do that. But I don't want to do any extra damage. You know. I know. I know. And I... my goal at the end of the day is the the five k and things back.
3: And you you can put weight on it. There's definitely nothing broken. Uh, oh, I can put
7: weight on it and I can move my toes and stuff. There's definitely nothing broken. But there.
3: it's painful when you put it's weight.
7: It's
3: very painful, yeah. It is very oh, painful. Oh, yeah, you're going to have to watch painful. that. Well, get, maybe he, Carl could get you some chair exercises. That's it. <laughs> like on my upper body or whatever, like, you know. Yeah. So
7: um, I have skinny legs anyway, so I'm not too bothered about <laughs> working out my
3: legs today. And, and out, outside <laughs> of that happening today, how has the rest of the week been going? Absolutely super! I'm still in great
7: form, like. I'm still in high spirits, like. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm really in good form, like. Um, it's just unfortunate as as that happened this morning, but other than that, the week has been amazing. I've been doing great, like, absolutely great. I've been running great, exercising great, eating great. So,
3: yes, Yeah, Somebody wants to know: Does Pamela feel hungry at any stage on her Not plan?
7: At all? Not one bit. Not one bit. That's the whole the the key of it. Like, you know, you have to keep eating your snacks your breakfast your snack your lunch your snack and your dinner um and like, i haven't been hungry once and I, I think if somebody is hungry on the plan, yeah then maybe maybe um they should maybe they should drink some water or something or i don't know like re, re- kind of
3: yeah cuz so, yeah i think you're right on the water sometimes we think we're hungry and we're not we're actually thirsty
7: yeah i would think like go water first and see like obviously, if they're the same weight as me, then the plan will work for them. But maybe they need to follow a different leader. If
4: if they're, they're feeling if they're hungry or if yeah. they're
7: lighter, maybe go with a past leader.
3: Yeah, yeah.
7: You know, I uh, like I I haven't been one bit hungry. Anyway, I God. can tell you that.
3: And uh, and are you doing a lot of cooking? I mean, are you finding yourself in the kitchen more than no, you would? No,
7: no, no. And if anything,
3: uh, the
7: dinners are actually working out way better for me. Because this whole eating, like you know, all eating together at the table at once, like is definitely better for me. Because instead of cooking different things you know, throughout the evening or whatever for different people and whatnot, everyone's sitting down together, and then I get to clean up at once, and then that's me done. So it actually is working out in my favour.
3: I do like that. I, I know yeah. that other the the Polish uh, girl was having a, a bit of a hissy fit about the child eating the same food. I do like that idea of the whole family sitting down and eating the same meal. Well, like it, okay,
7: that that's fair enough. But I think as well, like with Aggie, that little girl is only two. Like you she's know, she's very young. Yeah. Only two, and she is like doing an amazing job there. So Carla does sh- shift work and stuff like that. So that's actually just not going to work in their family, and it's not going to work in every family. Yeah. You know, and and I think like you know, like cultures and stuff have to be taken into account as well, and children's ages and stuff like that, and obviously people's professions you know
3: but I but I do like the the, the idea behind the entire family sitting oh, I, together
7: I, I definitely agree like for my family it's working yeah you know but it might work for every family no
3: no like and, and, and favourite meal have you a favourite meal so far favourite
7: meal oh my god the prawns the other night was just unbelievably <laughs> gorgeous it was just amazing Um, <laughs> it's definitely going to be something that I'm going to be eating in the future as well
3: now is, is that something you would have cooked before
7: um, well we all love prawns all the kids love prawns and stuff as well but I would never have ate a courgette, and yeah. it was the creamy prawn and courgette pasta, and it was absolutely gorgeous. And like one of the other leaders, uh, Paul, he actually owns um, a hotel and stuff, and it was so nice. He actually has it on the menu above the <laughs> hotel. <laughs> I,
3: and, and as a group of leaders, you're all getting on.
7: Oh my god, yeah, we get on like a house on fire. We're like our own little family going there. It's unbelievable, you know. Like, is that really bring us together? But we're all going through the same thing as well, you know. Um we all scratch each other's back and we all all go for each other. Everyone knows how the other person's because we 'Cause we're we're all in it together, like, you know.
3: Okay. All right. So we'll get to see you again on Wednesday. Now I know you would have recorded it yesterday but sworn to secrecy and all of that. Yeah. So you have <laughs> so it today now is concentrating on getting the foot better. That's it. Yep, today
7: is going to be, um, well I actually have my happiness planner out on the table here now. I have all my menus for the week ahead. I have my paper, whatever, and I'm going working out what I'm going to do for the week. Um, getting on to Carl, getting a plan in place that way. But my main focus is going to be keeping on the food plan at the okay, moment. Because well
3: yep. I know we did an interview, on, I think it was on Friday, with uh, Safe Food. And, and we actually we touched on Operation Transformation as well. And, and the, the, yeah. the doctor who joined me was... Fulsome in her praise of you thinks you're a real star which was lovely for us to hear her, oh, her, 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 her say that as well that. yeah and why, but she was the big thing just as a tip for everybody else when you're going shopping is to have the shopping list and you stick to the shopping list just,
7: yeah that's it I have the shopping list printed out here now and I'm going to go through it with a highlighter what I have at home that I don't need but then everything that's not highlighted I need to get that
3: and then do you stick to it?
7: oh I stick to it religiously yeah because do I Wanda. don't have the kids with me now that's uh, another thing. I'm, I'm going shopping on my own without the kids, without the distractions.
3: Get rid of the pester power.
7: Yeah. Do you know, like you just have to make things work for yourself. Like, do you know, you're, I'm learning week by week. But um, it's definitely, if you can get to the shops without the kids, it's definitely a Brucey bonus in, in my my house anyway.
3: OK. Listen, look after your foot and we'll talk Not to you again. We'll talk, talk next Sarah. Monday. God talk bless. You Mind week. yourself. Bye-bye. bye bye. Pamela uh, Swain, she really is lovely. She is our Operation Transformation Leader from uh, YAWL.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Just by way of reaction to Seamus who joined us in the last hour about the planning and about somebody sending in a vexatious planning objection in his name and with his address on it and it didn't come from poor Seamus at all, we have contacted Cork County Council just to get them to outline how they deal with and how do they accept planning objection letters and how do they verify or what sort of verification do they look for from the person who is putting in the uh, objection. Because Michael makes an interesting point because one of the objections in the letter that Seamus wrote out to us was, was that somebody was was objecting because uh, their view was going to be blocked. Michael uh, wants to point out that Patricia, a view does not constitute uh, an objection. Thank you for that. Uh, Mary says, Patricia, listening to Seamus in the last hour on the false planning letter I thought when you sent in a planning objection, you have to pay a fee of €20. It's the council who were totally wrong in this case, says Mary. Well, I think that's one of the reasons that they were writing to Seamus. They were acknowledging this letter that they thought he had sent and they were looking for the money because you have to pay to object. But I suppose the person who initially sent it in wasn't aware of that. Now, some other calls and comments coming into the programme on driving on the roads and slow drivers, etc. Uh, Billy and Shambhala Moore says, I've been on the Mitchellstown to Road for the last few weeks and similar agricultural vehicles that I described that I witnessed on Saturday going slow with a build-up of traffic behind them and then a square spotlight shining back, this is obviously at night, towards your windscreen along with the hazard lights flashing. Rather than wait for him to pull in, I pulled in and let them drive on as the spotlight on the roof of the tractor is absolutely blinding, I wonder, should these spotlights be on tractors when they are moving? Well, it's funny that because you've, you've described that very well, that almost like a spotlight on a tractor. When I was, I was driving on the same road on Friday night and it was dark and I'm not the best driver that sounds weird. I'm not the best driver. And I, I don't like night driving. I, I really don't like night night driving. I'm not saying that I'm not the best driver. I've never been involved in an accident, thank God. And hopefully that I never will. But I'm not a fan of driving at night, I have to say. And I came across, but they were against me, thankfully, two very large agricultural vehicles with hazard lights on and big spotlights on. But they were coming, they had pulled in on the side of the road and they were on the other side of the road. But in the distance, I was trying to work out because they were lit up like Christmas trees. And it did strike me, well, at least they're well lit if you were driving behind them, or in my case, coming against uh, them. But yeah, I could see if you've got a spot coming in on your windscreen, it would be a bit blinding. And that's not a bad piece of advice, Billy, rather than try to take the risk of overtaking them and getting frustrated in driving behind them pull in for about, take a break for 10 minutes or so and let them go off along their merry way and then by the time you get back out on the road they are well gone. On cyclists and people complaining about cyclists on the road John in Cove says <laughs> rather controversially cyclists should be banned off the roads. So oh, John the cyclist listening I'm going to like you for that. They are looking for far too much from road users and they look for too much space on the road. Then John said you add to the cyclists you've got runners who are also out training. They can be running two, three and four abreast at times taking over the road and it's absolutely worse in the dark evenings when they can't be seen because they're not wearing the proper, uh, proper um clothes that they should be wearing in high-vis vests and jackets, etc. Are you suggesting that you'd ban the runners from the roads as well, I wonder? Hi, Patricia. It's no wonder we have some serious road accidents. Let me give you some examples of recent events last week. A loaded truck came out a side road east of Roscarbury without stopping. Came out at approximately 30 kilometres per hour. Rear left tyres actually went over the white line as the truck turned towards Clam about 100 metres from an oncoming uh, car. Then a jeep with a trailer parked in a service station near an exit at the Clonakilty roundabout had the full lights on. It was dazzling all of the oncoming traffic as the driver popped into the shop and then a car swerved and almost hit a ditch. As wait for this, the driver was on the mobile phone. So there's a lot of irresponsible drivers out there at the moment. So please drive with care, folks. On the boundary extension, Tim says for years there's been proposals and requests for a boundary extension. By the old town councils, are the old urban district councils now gone and have been replaced by municipal districts, which are basically subcommittees of the county council? The county council was and never will be granted an extension, says Tim. No, it's gone the other way uh, instead. Regardless, as another texture of, compens- of the compensation figure received by the council. It's about time that Ballancolic and other urban areas are removed from Cork County Council. Development in these areas costs millions. As it had to be compliant with city connections for water, electrical, storage, and waste disposal facilities. And as they were big vote getters, other areas that would have been in the same municipal district as some of these larger towns uh, suffered. And Owen says, Patricia, do you know where is it possible to see an exact map of the new city boundary uh, online or at a physical location either would be fine I just want to check to see am I living in the county or not says um, Owen okay you can go to a very good uh, website it's the Cork City website it's corkcity.ie and if you go into that uh, section and then go into services and then you'll see a little drop down thing will come in and you'll see the Cork City Boundary Cork City Boundary Extension for for 2019 uh, is under and if you scroll down there, there is a really good Cork City Boundary Extension 2019 map and it shows the city as it is now and then it has the outline area of where the city boundary extension is going to be and it includes places uh, like Ballyvillean Whites Cross, Glenmire Killeen's Blarney Tower Kerry Pike all of Ballancolic that just got mentioned uh, there Toker Frankfurt Douglas Grange Donnybrook Rochester and of course most importantly and disappointingly I suppose from the county's point of view the Cork, Cork Airport and that entire area there as well so if you want to go onto that corkcity.ie go to council services and then it'll give you a drop down Menu, And you're looking for the boundary extension and you will be able to see Owen, unfortunately, on his text does not put where in the county he is living. So I can't tell you, Owen, if you've moved to the city or not, but take a look at the map and uh, let, let us know if you have moved. Okay, we've been talking about water on the roads a lot this morning listener says you've been you're on about water on the roads bring back the man with the shovel and that's from an ex councilman who often contacts the programme when issues like this come up he's one of the gentlemen that would have been the councilman who was out with the shovel they knew where every ditch and dike was in their, in their area and they certainly did keep the water off the road and Stephen in Kerry uh, contacting us when we were talking about Bally Cross or Bally Junction it's not a cross it's a, it's a T-junction actually and the fact that the roundabout is going to be put in place and Councillor Bernard Moynihan was filling us in on the latest and the update uh, on it. Stephen says two of your texters got in before me Patricia but I'm going to send my text anyway I'm going to make the same point is it the junction or is it the behaviour of the drivers? That's the problem. The junction is simply a junction, says uh, Stephen. And everybody who's contacted us on that theme, we're making the point that it's driver behaviour in the drivers are driving too fast. But I suppose, yeah, but it's a junction going on to... A busier road, so it's it's a road that's not as busy, and it's leading onto a more main road. It's the traffic on the road already that's speeding along. If they slow down to allow cars come out of the junction, are you going to stop the flow of the traffic? Is that is that the theory behind it? And no. A roundabout will certainly stop the flow. It'll make everybody slow down. That's what's going to happen when the roundabout uh, goes in. For sure, all of the traffic uh, will slow down. Okay, some of your WhatsApps coming in to us. Michael on Dancing with the Stars that we mentioned earlier. On On a lighter note, Dancing with the Stars last night. What a performance. What a show. Absolutely superb. The chemistry between some of the dancers is more than dancing says Michael Holly was not very gracious in defeat and that's what's happened that's what happens when you're at the mercy of the public Cleena Hagen certainly did not have a happy face on when she reached the final few but an absolutely brilliant show I wonder if lots of I'm actually enjoying it I have to say I like the English version which is of course um Strictly Come Dancing was how it all started and the BBC have sold it on to other countries except they're not allowed to hold, hold the title Strictly Come Dancing, so Dancing with the Stars. I do think RT are making a fine, fine hand of the show. I know the criticism is that in the BBC version has a live band, whereas the RTE version doesn't have a live band and it makes it, it a makes it difference. Maybe it makes a difference if you're there in the Helix watching it. But certainly at home, I don't think it makes that much of a difference I, you know, I certainly don't look at it and bemoan the fact that there isn't a live band obviously a live band would be much more expensive for RTE to do so it's cheaper for them to just uh, play out the song uh, instead I don't think it it takes much I am I for one I'm with you Michael I, I am uh, enjoying it uh, Mary says morning Patricia on the issue this is to do with roads and road conditions the plaza in Mallow what are the two big objects sitting there I nearly crashed my car on Saturday looking at them talk about wasting money I have no idea what the two big objects are but I shall take a look the next time I am passing Mary has anybody else noticed two large objects these are new objects are they? on the plaza in Mallow. Our Mary nearly crashed her car trying to work out what exactly they uh, were. Hi Patricia, a recent survey shows that 38% of national lottery agents surveyed Sold tickets or scratch cards to under 18s. Why are they not being prosecuted or fined or even closed for a day or two like they would do with pubs if you're caught selling to under 18s? Gambling is as serious an addiction as alcohol is in this uh, country. I don't know the survey that you're speaking of. Maybe it was a survey that was published while I was away over Christmas I haven't seen it but because it is illegal you've got to be over 18 in order to buy and I've been in a shop actually I was in a shop where a child was sent in from you know the the man was in the car and sent the no it was a youngish lad of about 10 sent the lad into the shop to do the lotto and the owner of the shop said I'm sorry I can't sell you a lottery ticket and he said it's for my mam out in the car and she said I'm sorry you're going to have to get your mam to come in so the little fella to toodaloo out and the mother had to come in wasn't best pleased but the owner explained I can't it's you know I'm breaking the law you have got you have to be over 18 I I look into that survey I would be really surprised to hear National, Lodge, National Lottery Agency admit that that many of them, 38% of them admit it, that they've sold scratch cards and lottery tickets to under-18s. And it is a form of gambling. And we do have people who will admit that have gambling addictions and are addicted to scratch cards. I don't know about addicted to playing the lotto, but certainly are addicted to playing scratch cards. People can you know, buy, uh, spend €100 Euro and more on scratch cards every uh, week. 185333103 lines open text or whatsapp 862 103
1: 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie
3: And a reminder to you that the agricultural meeting schedule for tonight in the James O'Keefe Institute has been postponed it'll be rearranged for a later date Donnerail Active Retirement Group they are meeting in the community centre uh, tonight special guest is Nora O'Keefe and they will attend Plus Crafts it's not tonight it's This afternoon at 2pm, new members are always welcome. A free introduction to mindfulness, a six-week course, starts on Thursday the 7th of March at the Cork Arts Centre, uh, their, their support house in Bantry. To book a place, call 027 53891. Mallow Active Retirement will hold their AGM tomorrow at 11am that'll be in the parish centre in Mallow while Gwilskal the Gwilskal in Blarney are holding an open evening for parents on this coming Thursday between 6pm and 8pm. It gives parents the opportunity to meet with teachers, parents and some of the pupils. And ballin Community Development Association are holding a fundraising social dance in the Marion Hall in ballin this Friday night, which will be the 1st of February. Music by Finbar and Chloe Dennehy. Dancing from 9:45 to 12:30 a.m. and teas will be served. Pat, in for More, was onto the comment line earlier this morning, raising an issue that we uh, highlighted on the program last Thursday during our crime file uh, piece when we were talking about the number of cars that had been broken into, but they were broken into because they were unlocked. And then there was a piece picked up from our newsroom and we ran it on our news on Friday just warning people to make sure when your car is parked, these were in the driveway of people's houses, to make sure that your car is always locked. The thought being that people, you know, feel just because it's in the driveway or it's just parked outside my front door, of course it's going to be safe. Who'd break into my car? Unfortunately, unscrupulous people going around and in some cases just checking, they're just looking for cars that are unlocked. Patrick from Moy contacted us because he heard the piece on Gar the File and then he heard the piece on RNR News. On Friday, and then something happened to him that struck him. That sometimes people may think their car is locked when it's not. Or you lock it and you unlock it. He's got one of the key fobs, um, obviously, and he locked his car over the weekend. And then he headed in, and whatever way he looked out the window, he saw the lights, the car lights flash which indicates the car has either been locked or unlocked. And he realised that those key fobs can be very sensitive and he must have hit it by mistake as he was taking the keys out of his pocket or hanging them up and it was just out of the corner of his eye. He saw his lights flash, so he realised he had locked the car, but he was unlocking it. So he said, just as a word of warning to people, while you think you've got your car locked, make sure that it is locked and be very careful when you're putting your keys down that the fob can be quite sensitive. And even though you're back in, yeah, because I've been inside in my house and I certainly through the window, I can check and see. You know, the way sometimes you come in and say, Did I lock my car? And I'll just rather than go out again outside, I'll just do it through the window. And like you can check and see. So just be careful of that. That for some of those people whose cars were broken into and then they got a fright, got it. You know, I was convinced I locked it. They may have locked it and then unlocked it because of how sensitive some of the fobs are. So good word of advice. Thank you for that, um, Pat. And we spoke, I mentioned in the. Couple of minutes ago, there about people about a survey which I haven't come across, but I will look for it. A survey according to one of our listeners, where thirty-eight percent of lottery agents claim that they have admitted that they have sold scratch cards and lottery tickets to people under the age of eighteen. And is that not illegal? And how are they allowed to get away with that? And you know, because it leads to the whole issue of gambling, etc. Where well, Kathleen and Mallow says, "Is there any word about?" seven, eight, nine and ten year olds who are in community halls most nights of the week playing bingo. Is that not encouraging gambling at a young age? Because we know people can get addicted to bingo and that is another form of uh, gambling. Has anybody ever looked at that or worried about that? And are there any rules or regulations around people under because bingo is deemed gambling. I've got I know I've always heard of children. A lot of children will go with their grandparents and there's been many a generation will say that they spent many a lovely Friday evening, for example, with Nana or granddad down at the bingo. I don't know how many children still go, but according to Kathleen and Mallow, there's still a lot of children, seven, eight, nine and ten year olds playing bingo. Is that dangerous? Is it is it a nice hobby for them, pastime for them? Are is there a danger, as Kathleen says, that it can lead them down that road of uh, gambling? Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. I don't know the rules. I can get that checked as well. I don't know what are the rules. Is is there an age limit? Do you have to be a certain age before you are allowed to play uh, bingo? And people then coming up with driving and what's wrong with driving and crashes on our roads and a lot of people you know picking up on this horrific accident that happened in Donegal and then people talking about you know accidents waiting to happen here in our own county of Cork Mary says Patricia uh, would I'd like to ask what do people think of blaring white lights that seem to be on a lot of cars when you're driving against somebody they, I think they are particularly bright and could be blinding and should not be allowed. Has anybody else noticed that? No, with NCT, your lights have to be a certain brightness. Are you talking about, are these in newer cars, Mary, where you feel the lights? They are blaring white lights on some newer cars, I'm assuming, is what Mary's talking about. Has anybody else noticed that? That they're using different bulbs on lights front headlights than they did uh, previously another texter says driving in I was driving in West Cork yesterday couldn't get over and was amazed at the amount of people walking on our roads with no footpaths in dark clothes no high vis vests on please folks if you're out walking morning or evening with the dark evenings still there we've got a good few weeks to go before we get really nice bright evenings in make sure that you're dressed appropriately and that you have high vis vests on you Another listener says, Hi, I live in Mill Street and there's a van parked on the top of the Fairfield on double yellow lines. It's parked there nearly every morning. It is an accident waiting to happen. Somebody will crash into it. Does anybody know who owns the van parked at the top of the Fairfield on on the yellow lines? Like it shouldn't be parked there. And I don't know if it's parked there and left for a period of time I don't know how long it's there in the mornings but according to this listener it's appearing every single morning at the top of the Fairfield does anybody know who owns that van in the Mill Street area and why is it parked on double yellow uh, lines and Stephen says that reminds me of something similar says Patricia something similar Patricia what's this new craze of driving with your front fog lights on along with your dims They shine down on the road and if the road is wet, they're very dazzling. What's the need for these fog lights anyway, says Stephen. Again, I'm assuming in more modern cars, there's a front fog light as well as a back fog light. And I couldn't, you know, I think I have them now that I think about it. Because I remember raising this on the programme saying one day that I had, I seem to have two fog lights and I didn't know which which one was for which. And I'm sure somebody says, Patricia, you've got a front fog light. There are more modern uh, cars, but I only turn on the back one, I think. I don't turn the front one on. If the odd time that I will be driving in foggy conditions. But Stephen reckons the front fog light is shining on the road or the road is wet. It causes a dazzling effect. And he wonders what is the need of the front fog lights. You can understand the back fog lights because it, it's, it makes sure people behind can see, but the front fog light. Why do you actually need it? Does anybody know? 1850 333 103. Uh, Our lines are open. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103.
1: Court Today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103.
3: This is the Court Today replay on C103. Man, I've certainly opened a can of worms, or should I say, our Mary is opened a can of worms when she was asking uh, if I would put it out for other listeners, have they noticed these blaring white lights that are on a lot of cars and that they really are blinding when you're driving against them uh, says uh, Mary, and they should not be allowed. A lot of people agreeing, including another Mary says, Hi Patricia, those bright lights in some cars are very scary. I drive a lot at night. I'm at my wit's end from them. Thank you for raising this issue. Hi uh, Patricia, I agree 100% with Mary about those bright lights. They're like LED lights and they're absolutely blinding. That's from Anne in Mallow. Stephen says, I've noticed those extra bright lights too. Even the dims seem to be blinding. Whereas Jay says, those flipping halogen lights, they should be banned. Uh, Mary is absolutely correct and a lot of other calls uh, similar to that. 1850 333 103. Let's go to the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic where Annalise Drussell joins us for our weekly nutritional slot. Good afternoon to you Annalise. Good afternoon Patricia. And I know today we're going to be talking about lupus but I promised listeners that I would mention and bring this up with you because it came up again on Friday and a lot of callers again talking about it today and this is to do with the food supplements vitamins and minerals are going to go up in price because the revenue commissioners have decided to impose 23% VAT on such items. You've spoken about this to us before and, and raised this and, and tried to get it highlighted.
2: Yeah I mean it's going ahead Patricia on the 1st of March now the Department of Finance have the ability to stop it and to say look you know we should make all health supplements VAT exempt because people use them to keep themselves healthy. Um, so the, it is within the power of the government to do it. And it has been addressed, like Jackie Healy-Ray brought it up in the Dáil. Um, so the government are sidestepping it. So they're basically, you know, going ahead with the imposition of the 23% VAT by saying nothing. Um, it's made me very angry, Patricia, to be honest, because I think it penalises people who would be naturally keeping themselves
3: healthy. That's what everybody is saying today. It's people who are trying to keep themselves as healthy and as fit as possible. And in in some ways, it's going to target older people.
2: Absolutely. And also people who really don't go to the doctor an awful lot. Um, So it's going to put a burden on people's pockets, you know, because they might come in and get a cough bottle without going down to the doctor for a prescription for something. So they tend to manage their health. I mean, I go to the doctor Um, probably once every five to six years, Patricia. I keep myself healthy with natural supplements. So I'm not a burden on the system at all. It's going to definitely, in the long term, increase the burden on the system. And I wouldn't mind if it was a clever move by the government to increase overall revenue. But all this is going to do is drive it overseas. So it's going to put small shops like me out of business. Um, And then all that will be left will be the big chains, Uh, They'll be getting in cheap supplements, you know, to try and make their supplements more cost effective against the online stuff, which aren't going to be good quality. And people aren't going to have somewhere in their local town that they can go down to. All those little shops will suffer. So if it was bringing more money into the country, you'd think there was sense behind it. But it's going to drive, like the VAT on services, it's going to drive business overseas.
3: And And we're talking about it's zero at the moment. Uh, That's why going from zero to 23% is just such a huge hike.
2: Absolutely. Well, you see, again, this is the revenue are saying, look, the government can tell us to implement any level of VAT that they want to, but if they don't let us know what to do, we'll have to put it at the highest rate by proxy. So, I mean, again, it's back down to the government. And I Patricia, mean, I wrote to all the TDs and only one office had the courtesy to email me back to say they'd received my email. I didn't even get acknowledgement from other local TDs here. Wow. Um, I'm, you know, I am really feel let down by the government. Like, the VAT that they've put on services now for people, again, it's hitting people in the pocket who might go out and support a local business. It's going to drive... It's going to be cheaper for people to go on holidays for weekends over to other countries than it is going to be to holiday in a local b and or hotel in our own country and it's just going to drive our euros into other countries' pockets and it makes the And the killing,
3: the, the, the really annoying one on the 23% on the vitamins, minerals and fish oil supplements at the same time uh, while a burger, a fast food burger is set at 13.5% fast. I know.
2: And you know the other it's thing about Patricia is I'll be very interested to see do the pharmaceutical versions of the... Um, vitamins get taxed and I can imagine that they won't so you'll be able to get your calcium and your vitamin B12 through the pharmacies where you might pay four or five times as much for it as you would in a health shop because we are not a ph- you know they're not pharmaceutical companies that can charge what they want and I'd like to see, will they be vatted? It'll be interesting to yeah. see what will happen with them. And I bet you they won't.
3: Yeah, and as someone said, it's, it's been set at 0% since uh, 1972. And there is a petition, there is a change.org uh, petition online. Do not tax health food supplements. Yeah, and what, if people go called. on
2: to my Facebook page, which is um, Health Hub Store, all one word, I have a post up there that gives you a link to that page Great. and also a link to um, email addresses for your local TDs. And I've also put in that post a certain amount of points that if people just want to copy and paste those points and fire them off to the TD, it'll take a lot of work out of composing emails and letters.
3: OK, but uh, March the 1st, if nothing is done, I I, I read a piece in the paper from uh, Pascal Dunne who, who uh, said that, you know, and it, it's, what's happening is an interpretation of our tax code by the revenue commissioners and he says they are independent of direction from me so I have to just accept it which doesn't make any sense to me No sense whatsoever No Look, they're they're all passing
2: the book There isn't like I was so excited about young people going into government you know with Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney and to be honest they're if not any they're certainly not any better if not worse than any other politician that came before they're utterly out of touch with everybody who lives outside the, the pale and what it's like for small businesses and people outside Dublin that, you know, are not making Dublin kind of salaries and there's no vision there. They've they've so many opportunities to so so many great things for this country with and they don't. They do nothing. It's more the same and they're completely dissociated from real people's lives and it makes me very angry.
3: Ah, oh, Yeah, and you're, and you're right to be. Okay, so a final push before the 1st of March to see if something uh, can be done. Okay, today we're going to talk uh, about uh, lupus. Uh, so what is lupus and what are the symptoms?
2: So I'm going to take a deep breath now. <laughs> and, and calm. After my uh-huh. So lupus is, um, lupus is an autoimmune disease. So with lupus what happens is you're Cells that usually fight viruses and bacteria get confused and start fighting your own body, and they cause inflammation in various different parts of the body, like the um, kidneys they can also affect um, the tissue, so you can get granular kind of um, granular parts forming in in soft tissue it can also affect the lungs in some people. And it also can affect the skin in other in other people as well. So people may have a combination of some, if not all, of the symptoms. You'll probably start by feeling maybe very tired, run down, pain in the joints, um, maybe swelling and inflammation in the joints. And it's often quite difficult to diagnose because, as I, I've, you've seen there from the list of symptoms, they affect so many different organs that it might be a while before the doctor will send off your bloods to check for lupus but one thing that does seem to be common across the board is a kind of a butterfly-like rash on the face now the rash can appear elsewhere on the body but it'll be particularly bad after exposing yourself to sunlight and that tends to be fairly common across the board for everybody who have maybe some or all of the other symptoms
3: who is likely to get it
2: so it's most, it's more women than men get it, and it's generally sort of between the ages of about 35 to 55 people come down with it. I think that there's definitely a genetic component, not necessarily for lupus, but for autoimmune disorder. So if you've got other people in your family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, parents, brothers and sisters that have things like um, Hashimoto's, thyroiditis, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, any of these autoimmune-driven um, diseases then genetically you'll be at an increased risk of it. And again, you know, a lot of research showing autoimmune trigger, disease triggers often can be viral. Um, I think there's a massive link with the gut, Patricia. I think if there's food intolerances and the gut, the immune system in the gut is so upregulated from fighting different foods, it can get switched over into being confused, confused and start fighting the body. So, Even though there wouldn't be documented evidence of this, I do believe that people with um, food intolerances, stroke IBS, um, there is a kind of a link between that and developing an autoimmune disorder like lupus. So actually managing the disease is also about managing the gut as well.
3: Okay, so then when it's finally diagnosed, and it looks like for some it might take some time to get that diagnosis, it must almost come as a relief, does it, when it's finally diagnosed?
2: I'd say so, because people don't think that they're gone mad, you know. Yeah, and yeah, Because, I mean, you know, taking different things to manage all the different symptoms, they often don't work because it's not affecting the root. So the typical treatment for lupus would be using this drug called Plaquenil. It's actually an anti-malarial drug, but it does seem to work with the um, the T-cells to suppress their activity. Actually, one of the side effects of that as well can be damage to your retina. So anyone who's on Plaquenil should either be drinking a glass of tomato juice every day, or should be taking some kind of lutein lycopene supplement from the health shop to prevent the risk of that damage to the retina. So the other thing that's often used are the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. So things like diclofen, um, all of those ones, and again, they wreck the gut. So if the theory, um, is correct for the that uh, for an individual that uh, the gut has been the trigger because of food intolerance, using non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and steroids will actually even you know kind of prolong. They'll take care of it in the short term, the pain, but they're going to prolong the problem and the flare-up in the long term.
3: Okay, so talk to me from the food point of view. What needs to be included? Yeah.
2: So now again, if it's going to depend an awful lot on um, your symptoms. If your kidneys have been affected, you have to be very careful about salt because you shouldn't be putting any pressure on your um, on your kidneys. On if on if not if not necessary. Um, so following a low salt diet. And if people want to get a low salt diet online, if they Google dash diet, D A S H diet. That's a very low salt diet that um they can follow. The other big thing to look out for is vitamin D because um people who have lupus will get massive flare ups, particularly of skin rashes, if they have too much um sunlight. So you need to be getting foods that are rich in vitamin D, like um good organic or locally sourced eggs where the egg yolk, you know, is lovely and rich. Um green leafy vegetables would be very good for vitamin D as well. This time of the year generally The vitamin D is supplemented into milk and things because our animals are indoors. So get something that has vitamin D added. And then other than that, it's about following a natural anti-inflammatory diet. And this is the same diet that works across the board for any type of inflammation or autoimmune disorder. And it's very, very rich in fruit and vegetables. You want to be taking at least 8 to 10 vegetables into your diet every day. And they should be from a rainbow of colors. So your oranges from your sweet potato, pumpkin, turnip, apricots, peppers, and the reds as well from tomatoes and peppers, purple cabbage, beetroot is fantastic as well for the kidneys. Beetroot would be very um, good. Celery is fantastic for kidneys as well, Um, and all of course your green leafy vegetables. So lots of cabbage and kale and broccoli and. Brussels sprouts, and make sure that on every plate you have a representation of all the different colours of your veg. Vegetable soup is a great way of getting it into you. And I think a glass of tomato juice every day would be a a, a good way to start your day. You could have a non-alcoholic um, Bloody Mary every morning <laughs> to start your morning.
3: Okay, but make it non-alcoholic.
2: Make it non-alcoholic. Um, that is one big thing really that you should ne- avoid along with caffeine because of the pressure it places on the liver and kidneys. So no alcohol, if you do want to treat yourself every now and then, a glass of red wine actually probably would be very good because of um, anti-inflammatory chemicals in it. Um, Go easy on the meat, Um, so red meat maybe just once per week, lots of oily fish, so plenty salmon, mackerel, herring and sardines. Um, You'd also get lots of omega-3s from nuts and seeds, particularly pumpkin seeds and chia seeds, so include plenty of those in the diet. Um, and whole grains, of course, and lots of pulses. So at the moment now, I didn't go vegan for January. I don't think I could um, make it through a whole month without um, some form of meat. But I have, Patricia, consciously cut down on my meat intake. And you just have to be a little bit more creative in terms of your cooking, but I'm really just have finding loads of lovely recipes for lentils and chickpeas and kidney beans and lots of fabulous salads and soups and it's actually very easy to go vegetarian when you have those in your meal so make sure you include those either in a lunch or dinner every day.
3: OK, and then supplements for people with lupus?
2: So, well, definitely the vitamin D. And you probably need to be taking in about 3,000 units. Vitamin D is really it was the most ignored vitamin for a long time, but it's becoming much more of interest now to researchers and it has a huge part to play in immune system function. So anybody really that has an autoimmune disorder, unless there's any reason they shouldn't be taking a high dose of vitamin D, they should be taking about 3,000 units all the time, and for lupus people even in the summer because they can't go in the sun. The omega-3 fats are wonderful natural anti-inflammatories and they're also very good for skin. So make sure that you're getting something with um, at least a gram of um, what you're looking for is the EPA and the DHA count. And these are the actual active components of your omega-3. So if you look at the side of any omega-3 supplement, you'll be able to read how much is in there of both of those. And you need to be getting about a gram at least a gram, if not a gram, three times a day if you're in a flare-up. Turmeric is another lovely one, Patricia, that I'm really fond of because it has so many, uh, it does so many jobs. It keeps your blood lovely and thin. It's great for the liver. It's good for heart health. It prevents against cancer. It prevents against nervous system degeneration. So you can include that in your cooking. But if you're in a flare-up, I would take it in supplement form so that you can get it in a very nice um, natural dose. And then if you're supporting your kidneys, Celery juice, I think, um, you know, have a glass of that every day. Don't take any supplements, really, for the kidneys. I think try and get it through your food. Um, For your lungs, again, the Dr. Dealers' Clare lung tea actually would be one that would be fantastic for the health of your lungs overall. Um, It's very good for lung tissue. Um, Probiotics for your gut, if your gut is involved. And they'd probably be the basics, but then there'd be lots of individual um, ones that would be pertinent to every person individually, depending on what health issue they have.
3: Okay, and very, very finally, a, a very quick question for you that came in on WhatsApp. Uh, could you ask Annelise, please, advice? What thyroid test can you do other than the basic one that you get done at your doctors?
2: Yeah, so there is um, the basic one that you get done and your doctors looks for... A, the thyroid hormone T3 and T4. So the thyroid hormone is responsible for revving up your metabolism. So we don't have it floating around our body in active form because it could, you know, hyperactivate your metabolism, which is, you know, which is also very dangerous. So it gets converted into the active form of the hormone as we need it. So the, generally, that's the, that's what the doctors will be looking for. But what can happen, particularly when there's a lot of stress in, um, in people's lives, is that you're converting T3 the active hormone to something called reverse T3 and this is to protect the body from overheating effectively and it's an irreversible um, conversion Um, and it happens in the presence of your stress hormones so there is a test that will look for reverse T3 and if you have if your problem with your thyroid is down to stress and adrenals you'll probably be given the medication but won't feel much better because you will be as soon as you convert it to the active hormone, you're con- then the stress hormones are making it get converted to the reverse T3 inactive. One of the other issues could be, as well, that you're not converting to the active hormone because you're deficient in selenium. So six or seven Brazil nuts a day will help with that, or you could take a selenium supplement. But Private companies will look for the reverse T3, so you'll be able to know if it's an adrenal issue or if
3: it's a thyroid issue. Okay, we'll leave it there. Listen, have a great week, and we'll chat to you again Thanks, next week. Patricia. Thanks for joining us. That is Annalise uh, Drissell, and Annalise runs the health shop Times Square in Balencoli. That's our we'll leave you for today. A lot of comments. Apologies if we didn't get to them. We will read each and every one of them when we get off air, and we'll bring a sample of them to you tomorrow, the start of the programme. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick's with you for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. For
1: today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. c 103.
6: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.